When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. Adam, you know what my favorite part of CX is? I'm assuming the Crack the Customer Code podcast, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, go ahead and disappoint me, Jenny. That's a little, that's a little on the nose, but we, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love how holistic customer experience is because in a way, my favorite part of it is every part of it because you have to pull in all these different kind of mindsets and philosophies and disciplines and put it all together to really create successful customer experiences. And so we have talked about this kind of offline where you and I talk about how we have these different talents and interests and we pull all of that into our work. But in this conversation, we really talk about those different interests with our guest, Michael Bartlett today. And I find that totally, totally fascinating. No, I love it. I mean, that's, to me, I think um, being well-versed in other disciplines always um, helps you do better uh, Mm -hmm. at whatever you're doing, having broader perspectives, most great art, uh, you know, many great inventions have come from ideas outside of the area in which the person is working. Um, mm-hmm. So I love having this discussion. Obviously, we have a um, you know, fellow traveler here and Michael Bartlett uh, with this perspective, and he really shares some interesting ideas of bringing, uh, we learned a new uh, chess term, even you're going to learn a new chess term, everyone, in this episode. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, think, I think there's some great insights. So why don't we uh, hear all about Michael? Excellent. Michael Bartlett is a serial founder and philanthropeneur. That's another new word for you. Dedicated (laughs) to helping animal rescues. He believes that the best way to motivate young people and set them up for success is through education and fueling their excitement for entrepreneurship. He launched his first business, a record label, at age 16 with a small investment from his dad. What he learned from this experience enabled him to set more businesses up in the future, including a software as a service learning platform for the CCXP exam and a film production company, which were both extremely successful and profitable. Before moving into customer experience full-time, Michael worked as both a consultant for Accenture and a film director. His movie Treehouse is available on Amazon Prime, and his latest book is The Dark Side of CX, also available on Amazon. Welcome, Michael. We're so happy to have you here on Crack the Customer Code. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Jeannie. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Hey, Michael. So great to have you. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about this because I, I love people who bring an interdisciplinary approach to the field of CX because CX is an interdisciplinary field. 
So how have you, by having a lot of varied interests, how have you been able to link things such as chess and film directing with CX? Well, I'm one of those guys that notices patterns pretty much everywhere. Um, if you were to look in my office, in my home in Missouri, you'd see lots of whiteboards lined around the room. Um, and I'm constantly reading, and then I read something and I find a piece of information and I recall that I saw that in another book and then I link the two of those together. So it sort of happened organically and it's all based of course on previous interests. So over time, for example, in, in CX, I noticed that storytelling became a big subject and there were all these different people coming up with their own frameworks and I suddenly remembered, well, hey, you know, when I was in the film business, there were certain techniques that I would employ that would work every time. And you could actually translate those into customer experience. A, a good example is intrigue, for example. So if you look at um, an average customer experience professional who is wanting to buy a book on Amazon, when they are browsing the books, obviously there's a number of things that are going to draw their attention, which you can use eye tracking software for. Normally it's contrast and quite bold text that normally makes them look at it. But then what is the thing that actually makes them want to click and, and find out what's in the table of contents? And I find that if your book is a little bit too on the nose with you know what it's about, so let's just hypothetically say there's a book called The Friendliness Revolution. Well, I already know what the book's going to be about. It's going to be telling me why being friendly is such a good idea. So I may not necessarily read that book. But if you have a more cryptic title, like I liked, for example, the title Outside In, then I'm like, oh, okay, so what's that about? That sounds pretty interesting. And, you know, you want to look a bit more into the book and start researching. And so I found that intrigue works really well. J.J. Abrams used to talk about this technique called the mystery box technique, where you would basically give the audience a mystery box. They would want to know what was inside of it. And then when they open it up, you give them you know, some information and then you present another mystery box, which is pretty much how his TV series Lost works. Yeah. But those kind of <laughs> techniques I find re work really well in CX from storytelling perspective. And then in chess, it's really just about, you know, one thing, the big difference I've noticed in chess is that people have noticed, like the experts that have studied this have found that amateurs tend to use more brain power and look at more potential moves than grandmasters do. Amateurs tend to look at what's on the board and what the specific pieces are, whereas grandmasters actually tend to look at where the spaces are, you know, what files are open, what diagonals are open. So there's a completely different way about thinking when it comes to chess. It's not about who can calculate the furthest or look the most moves ahead. It's really how do you assess a position and then given the position that you've assessed how do you then come up with the right move and so you can translate these things into customer experience and customer experience pros who know the right kind of patterns to look for can obviously then know the right kind of moves to to find it in their given position so it's really a weird way of looking at things you know combining different metaphors but i find that it's worked really well that's so interesting because that you know what that reminds me of is how sometimes artists or um designers, folks like that will talk about the importance of white space. Yes. And they they look for the way that you can leverage white space, not just the actual art, right? The actual thing that you put on to the white space, but leaving that alone as well. So, you know, you mentioned chess and you mentioned some of those recurring patterns. Thanks to you and your book, I learned a new term. <laughs> ah, me too. Yeah. pre right? Yes. Are recurring patterns in chess. And you said your book is based on CX pre -ohms. So how would, 
How would this help another CX professional? What should we be looking for when it comes to these pre-ohms? So what I did is I first, this goes back to about 2019, I noticed that there were many common recurring patterns in CX and I started cataloging them and I uh, managed to draw up a, a list and it's by no means an exhaustive list. Um, but I had a designer actually on Fiverr, um, a gal from Argentina, uh, draw up little diagrams for each one, like little cartoons. And they're quite, they're quite well known. So if, I, if I'm going to mention a few to you now, you'll probably recognize them. So one of them is called Hide and Seek. And <laughs> essentially what this pattern is, is when you're trying to get hold of a business, you know, it could be the business in general, it could be a specific individual at the business. And you either can't find a way to contact them, there's no telephone number, there's no contact us button, or maybe when you get into the, you know, the, the interactive voice system, there's just no option that enables you to get to the person you want. Or maybe people just are not returning your call, they're snubbing you. That's hide and seek. And there's plenty other ones as well. Another one you'll probably recognize is what we call pass the parcel in England. I don't know if Americans use that phrase or not, but essentially you call into, you know, into the company and then someone puts you on hold and then sends you to somebody else and then they send you to somebody else and they send you to somebody else <laughs> and you're like a parcel being passed around. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? Each of these patterns is like a preome in chess. So a preome is a, a positional characteristics, so symptoms, if you will, and then it's an associated maneuver that allows you to exploit that position and gain an advantage in the game of chess. So like the ones I just mentioned to you, if somebody is experiencing, like let's say you go through your VOC data and you see that the past, the parcel preome is coming up quite a lot, then what I do is I say, well, here are the most likely root causes of such a situation, and then here are the maneuvers that you need to take in your business to fix this, to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And essentially, the book is just a very, very large catalog of all of the different preomes that I found. That's very interesting. You know, I think when we when we think about patterns and when we think about CX, you know, it, what's really interesting is when you've identified the patterns, but then you know, how do you teach companies to apply them, right? How do, um, how do you use the patterns for companies in different industries and with different uh, sets of scale? So one thing I'm doing is encouraging um, anyone who reads the book to start looking for their own patterns as well and creating their own pre-ohms. And I recommend a model from systems thinking uh, called the iceberg model. And I explain in the book how to use it. And so what you would essentially do is if you see the same pattern coming up over and over and over again, and maybe it's not really the same as one of the ones in my book, maybe it's something more specific to your particular vertical that you're in, um, then I teach the, the reader how to go through the iceberg model, discover what those root causes are. And then once you've discovered those root causes, you should be able to think through logically, okay, well, if X is happening, then how do we stop X happening? What can we apply? And then they can essentially build their own catalog of pre-ohms in addition. Uh, but yeah, the method that I recommend in the book and the method that I've used myself is called the iceberg model. And it's part of the uh, systems thinking toolkit. I love it. And, you know, speaking of icebergs, uh, the human mind is a bit of an iceberg, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't, we, uh, you, only see, you only see the top part. And I, I know, you know, um, there are a few people out there talking about psychology and human mind and how it uh, is a part of CX. And I, I, it's an underappreciated under element to me. And I like that you've gone to great lengths to embrace this and to even put a quick start guide in the first few chapters of your book. 
So can you explain a little bit about you know, your perspective on the psychology behind customer experience or that affects customer experience? So yeah, it all essentially boils down to um, ancient evolutionary drives that we have. Um, the reason that we find something frustrating or maybe we find something pleasantly surprising is based on um, a term called allostasis, uh, which some people may recognize. It sounds a little bit like homeostasis. And the point of that mechanism is it enables our bodies to get into the ready state to deal with a potential threat. So, for example, um, if you think back to many, many years ago when we were all living on the plains of the savannah, um, a tiger could jump out at any minute. Were there any warning signs that would tell you that the tiger was going to jump out? Well, if maybe you know there was some uh, brush and it started moving around and it moved around and there wasn't any wind, maybe your body would then create allostasis um, to allow you to have the energy so that when the tiger did jump out, you'd be able to get away really quickly. So that's like one great example of, of how we use allostasis. And the reason we use it is we try to predict everything in our environment. Everything that we do, whether it's, you know, having a conversation with somebody for the first time, whether it's um, going, to, uh, going to the front desk uh, to make a complaint, whether it's going to a brand new restaurant that you've never been to before, your body will use previous experiences to try and help predict what the situation is going to be like. If the situation goes as planned, you'll be pretty happy. If the situation is much better than you planned, then you'll get a prediction error, which means you're likely to remember that, and you're also going to be very happy. But if the um, experience doesn't go the way that you want it to, maybe you get in a, to wait in a line and it takes a lot longer than you thought it would, or someone snubs you, says something offensive to you, then because you didn't predict it, you'll get a prediction error. And that will, again, you'll remember that experience. Your body will adjust its expectations for next time. Um, and you'll be less likely to visit the, uh, you know, the venue in question. So this is where all the, the, the evolutionary psychology side comes in. And I put this into my book at the beginning um, just because I wanted people to have an appreciation for it. And it boils down to two things, essentially. It's social friction and goal friction. So um, anytime you're trying to achieve a goal and something gets in the middle of you and the goal, we call that goal friction. And any time that someone does something that affects your status or your relationship or anything that could be a social, that, that could hurt you in a social way, that's social friction. And those two elements essentially are what contribute to um, bad customer experiences. I gave, I gave obviously the whole background in the book, but people don't need to remember that. I just wanted them to have an appreciation so that when they start reading the patterns, they have a deeper understanding of why they're upsetting people and why they can cause problems with businesses. So it all comes down to our reptilian brains. <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> um, it's amazing how much does kind of come back to just who we are, like who we are as human beings. That's, that's always fascinating to me. Um, and you know, Michael, this this last year, this last two years, we can say there has been so much change in the world and there has been so much that has been difficult to predict. And yet we spend a lot of our lives as, you know, CX professionals and pundits, if you will, predicting the future. And so one of the questions, the, the last question that we have for you today is when you think about the future of customer experience, what is one thing that you don't think will change 
as we look to the future? So many things don't change. It's very interesting. Like you see these debates about Net Promoter School, and I, I think the same debate will be happening next year and probably in 10 <laughs> years. Um, and it's all, I always wish I could just find the link and just paste it and say, guys, we've already had the discussion. Please read the following link. Um, exactly. One thing I will say, um, just to divert briefly, is I, I am actually concerned that Net Promoter School will become not so useful in the future. Um, whether you like it or don't like it, let me explain my reasonings for that. Um, it's mainly from a business-to-business perspective because one thing I see is that more and more businesses, as they implement it, they're learning how it, what the mechanism is, like how it works. And so if you are given a business-to-business survey and something's worth, let's say, I don't know, a six, well, you know how it works. And you're like, well, I don't really want to give a detractor score. It doesn't really warrant that. So I'll bump it to a seven. And I worry that because so many people know how that mechanism works, um, they're going to start biasing their scores more and more and more as it becomes even more popular. And so one of the things that I've done is I've created a brand new metric now um, that has a scientific um, background, which I can explain if you guys are interested. But essentially what it will do is predict your net promoter score and I've been running it for three years on the JMark surveys now. Um, JMark is a, a, a company that I, I work with here in Springfield. And once I've got enough data and enough predictive power, if it all works out, I'm actually just going to drop the net promoter question uh, from that survey and just use the new metric. And that way that should keep us safe but still provide the same value that an NPS score would. Hmm. Interesting. So I can't wait for a year, three years from now for us to just drop the link in of we've had this conversation. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's very wise advice. So yeah, refer, refer to previous argument. <laughs> uh, Michael, we're really excited about this and your book and everything that you have going on. How can our listeners reach out to you, learn more about you and, and find what you're doing? So I'm a bit reclusive on social media. I'm only on uh, LinkedIn, uh, mm -hmm. but people can definitely find me on LinkedIn and get hold of me there. Um, I, um, I try to be active in some of the customer experience forums as well, and I'm a member of the CXPA. Um, but essentially, yeah, the best place to reach me is to, is to look on LinkedIn. And of course, if you type my name into Amazon as well, um, both this book and also my previous book is available there. The previous book is just a, a small pocket guide I put together to help people with the CCXP exam. It's actually published in 2017, so it's been out for quite some time now. Uh, but yeah, those are the best ways to get hold of me. Excellent. And I've recommended that book to so many people who have asked me, how do I prepare for the CCXP exam? Awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. All right, well, thank you so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we appreciate uh, you being here on the show. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I did not expect to necessarily talk about chess terms when we started this podcast back in the day, <laughs> but I'm so happy we did today. That was so interesting to think about you know, looking for patterns in your organization related to customer experience and how to address them and how to think differently and how to really look for the the things that maybe we we already know that we don't always acknowledge. Yeah, and I like that. You, know, you and I have talked a lot about uh, 
you know, having a Pareto or 80-20 kind of approach to customer experience, oftentimes we're facing limited resources, we're facing uh, an inability to do it all or to do it all well at once. And, you know, looking for these patterns can help you identify the things that are systemic and solvable. So I, I, I love, you know, I, I love that perspective. And you know what else is a pattern, Jeannie? At What's the that? end of every show, <laughs> we somehow segue into who do we love? I think there is a pattern of it's just... A, it's, it's a preomes, actually, I guess. It Did is. I pronounce that right? <laughs> it's a preom, a preom yeah. of right. consistently recognizing the love that we have for our listeners. How's that? That is a Boom. pattern to be proud of. That is a so pattern. So <laughs> here we are, and you can identify this pattern too. Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out the business content at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters. Come and find me at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Tapork, and you can connect with me at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.